Hopefully this is the last time you'll hear this ad. Because with Chime checking account features like fee-free overdraft up to $200 with SpotMe and getting paid up to two days early with direct deposit, you can probably treat yourself to an ad-free upgrade to spend more time listening to your favorite podcasts or at least grab yourself an extra morning latte this month. Join millions of Chime members who work on their financial progress with fee-free overdraft and no monthly fees. When you find new ways to save, you can reach your financial goals easier and still have the occasional treat. Take more control of your finances and say goodbye to monthly fees. Open your account in minutes at Chime.com goals 24. That's Chime.com goals 24. Chime. Feels like progress. Banking services and debit card provided by Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. Members FDIC. Spot me eligibility requirements and overdraft limits apply. Terms and conditions apply. Go to Chime.com disclosures for details. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. You've walked this path many times before. It's a chance to think, especially about your future. How will you turn your retirement dreams into reality? Will you have enough gold for your golden years? Your choices for building funds for retirement can be complicated. Fortunately, you have a friend in the community who can help you make the right decisions. That's your modern Woodman agent. Your agent is a skilled professional who will listen to your needs and desires and then work with you to create a plan that uses the right financial products to achieve your retirement goals. Build a lasting professional relationship with a trusted financial advisor. Hi, this is Thomas Chandler, your local Modern Woodman representative. Give me a call today at 662-296-0186. Let's make a difference together. Hotty toddy and go Rebs. Get in touch with your agent today. Modern Woodman of America. Touching lives. Securing futures. Reason number 12 to bank at BNA. We are the bank for Northeast Mississippi. We have one home, Northeast Mississippi. Seeing this local Northeast Mississippi economy thrive and helping the people of our area with their borrowing needs is our only focus. From buying a home to starting your own business, we are the team of local lenders standing ready to make your dreams a reality. BNA Bank. We are the bank of Northeast Mississippi. Member FDIC. An equal housing lender. You're listening to Talk of Champions, an Ole Miss Spirit podcast with Ben Garrett. It's up, it's up, it's up, it's up, it's up. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. No Colin Brister with me today. No in his place. Former Ole Miss defensive end linebacker, C.J. Johnson, good friend of the pod. Hey, buddy, how you doing? I'm doing good, man. How are you? I'm good. How you holding up in quarantine? Uh, Well, technically, I'm an essential worker, so I'm kind of working every day, but, I mean, it's, it's fine. What do you do for fun in quarantine when you're not working? Uh, I'm trying to go fishing a little bit, uh, but, I mean, we've been working six days for, like, the last three weeks. Uh, so, really hadn't had a lot of fun time. 
I've always been unsuccessful at fishing. If you took me out there, would we catch fish? Absolutely. I'm a, I'm actually going to you know, a fishing tournament on Saturday uh, out of Lake Pushmataha, so I'm kind of looking forward to it. Uh, I mean, it's going to be a fun time. I, I plan on winning the thing uh, and coming home with a lot of fish. Is there like a cash prize too, along with just getting a lot of fish in this tournament? Yeah, yeah. The first, first and second place wins a pretty good bit of money, and uh, they also have uh, a pot for the biggest fish of the day. So, pretty excited about that. Do these other contestants know who they're competing against? No, I don't think so. Um, it's just kind of like show up, check in, go fish. We'll see you in like six hours, seven hours, or something like that. Yeah, and with social distancing now, I've heard these tournaments. Basically, you show up, you have to stay far away from each other you check in and then you get on your boat and they kind of space it out to where people can actually go fish and still participate but also keep their distance from each other yeah i'm actually gonna i've been talking with a guy that i'm gonna fish for he actually fishes like a lot uh and i pretty much told him they're like hey i wanted to bring my boat uh get in my boat by myself um because last time i talked with him um he planned on getting in the boat with me but I was kind of a little worried about it uh, because he he hasn't had the virus, but he's had his his fair share of of, uh, of health battles, and so it's just it's a little concerning for me to you know put somebody else in the boat with me. So we may we may fish together, but we may be in you know separate boats. So C.J. Johnson, be... the fisherman, is the most Mississippi thing ever. <laughs> yeah, I love fishing, bro. I don't I don't get the chance to hunt as much as I did back in high school. Um, but I mean, I, I love the fish. I I wasn't you. I wasn't a really big deer hunter um, when I deer hunted. I was like more of a squirrel and rabbit guy. But I did my fair share of deer hunting, and I'll never go duck hunting again. That's for sure. Why? What happened, duck hunting? Dude, it's one of the worst experiences I've ever had hunting in my life. Uh, <laughs> so uh, go live with this guy. He's like, hey, we're gonna get up in the morning. We're gonna go duck hunting. I'm like, okay, cool. So we get up at like three thirty in the morning. Um, I'm not a big early morning riser type of guy. Um, and so we get out there, it, it rained the night before. And so we get out on this property and it's like flooded. And he's like, well, we got to go through here and then go here and go here, you know, to get back off in the, in the duck blind or whatever. So I'm like, okay, whatever, let's do it. So we're on this electric powered golf cart. We go across this property and literally the first, <laughs> it went 30 seconds. We tried to cross this current of water that was running across the property. Picks us up, takes us out of the deck of um, ATV, turns the ATV upside down, dumps us out into the ditch that was on the side of the road where the current was running. And so we fall down in there, and it's about five feet deep. And so I'm about six one. I had water coming through the top of my waders. And then so... We got out of that. Oh, then I worried about the ATV floating on down the the freaking current. And so he's like, well, let's try to get it out. We finally couldn't get it out. So we walked about two and a half miles water up to my chest in the waders. I'll I've, never do it again. I've told you my deer hunting story, haven't I? No. Okay, so I've been deer hunting one time. That's it? Yeah. It, well, you'll understand wow. why when I tell you. So I'd always wonder what the fuss was about because all my friends deer hunt. My best friend in the world lives two doors down from me, avid hunter. He goes bow hunting all the time. But I just wanted to experience. I said, okay, I'm going to go deer hunting. So I go with my buddy Zach. And Zach, 
had some fun the night before. So he was feeling himself that morning, if you're picking up what I'm putting down here. Uh-huh. So we go out there like 5, 5.30 in the morning, and he's blitzed out of his mind. He's pointing out where the deer are, this, this, this. And I'm like you. I don't like getting up early. But I'm up early. I'm doing this. I'm with my friend. He's messed up. I'm having to hear his drunk escapades and all this stupid stuff coming out of his mouth. We get up in the uh, in the box or whatever it is, and he points it out. I said, Ben, deer. And he points at this deer. So I get this gun. I don't want to shoot a deer, man. Call me a wimp. Call me whatever. I don't care. I don't want to shoot this deer. But anyway, I'm doing this. So I pull the gun up, and I shoot the deer, and it goes down. We go and try to find it. We find it, and it is doing that whole crying out thing that deers do. Like the... Mm-hmm. CJ, I have shot this deer directly in its ass, and it has what? over itself. Okay? <laughs> So I am just in a nightmare scenario for myself. I'm freaking out. I feel terrible. Zach looks at me in all his infinite wisdom and goes, ah, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Pulls out a gun and shoots the deer in the head. So I am mortified. Well, we don't have anything to bring this deer back in, so we go and we leave, and that deer's been soaking in its own crap all day, and my buddy Benjamin gets mad at me, says it's my fault when it wasn't because it was Zach's fault. I was just following his lead. We get up on his four-wheeler later that night, drive out there, pick the deer up. He puts it on the front of the four-wheeler. We drive back, and on the entire ride back, you just got this deer that's been soaking in its own crap, just the smell of it wafting in your face the whole way back. And then they made me clean the thing by myself. They made you clean the deer by yourself? Yeah, because they said it's like a rite of passage for a first deer hunter. You got to clean the deer yourself. Yeah. Yeah, see, I, I buy them all that. I, I killed my first deer and I didn't and I clean and I didn't clean it. It took me several deer to start cleaning it. Then it got to the point where it was like, you know what? I don't really like doing this <laughs> anymore. It's when like I don't know, that like that part of the of the, the journey for some people is great, like cleaning fish. Like like there are tons of people like locally around here that like if you caught fish you didn't clean them on your own it's like you know it's like a ritual or something it's like it, it's got to be done and i've even got to the point now where i hate cleaning fish uh, i'll just pay somebody to clean them and they keep some of them and i'll go get the rest of them and i pay for them i don't think any of the meat was even any good there's nothing to eat. it probably wasn't yeah yeah no, it probably wasn't it was terrible. Uh, <laughs> did you put the blood on your face yes that was even yeah, worse yeah. So that's the best part to uh, me. It it smells awful, but it's fun. it's pretty cool. Yeah, sure. I'd rather go fishing. <laughs> Fishing's fine. You know, I'm I'm good with that. Four years to the day I mean, for you since you signed with the Patriots, right? Yeah, man. It's been absolutely four days. Uh, I mean, four days. Four years ago, um, where I actually got the call, and a couple of weeks, so I headed out to New England, but. It's kind of bittersweet, man, kind of looking back on it all because I knew from the get-go I was never going to play in the NFL. I mean, that, that was that was never going to be an option. Uh, for me, probably mid the end of March, 1st of April, uh, when they called me in and told me that I was going to have to have hernia surgery like right away, and the recovery time was four to six weeks. That's when, that's when everything changed for me mentally. Um, and physically too, it just, uh, it just, it did that, that last surgery, just, there was no way I was going to overcome it. I've been through too much. <clears throat> I was tired of living in the training room, uh, tired of rehabbing. It was just, I got to the point where it was just, I, I didn't see myself rehabbing and overcoming that. And I still haven't overcome it to this day. 
<laughs> if you looked at both of my hips, you would tell without, I mean, without question which hip, you know, I had surgery on it. It's still that swollen. What's it like when you come face to face with your football mortality? It's tough um, because you put in all that work, man, from the time you started uh, high school throughout college um, and throughout that process. And I was explaining this to some of my kids last year when I coached junior college. Dude, we worked out six times a day for eight weeks. Six times a day. What? For eight weeks. That, that, yeah, that's insane. But it, it, it got to the point where it was that's just That's not like, even healthy. Dude, I'm telling you. From January, literally, until I found out I had to have hernia surgery, which was March the 28th uh, of 2016, it was every, six six times a day. You get up in the morning, you do a speed workout, then you lift weights. Then you take a break for about two hours, then you come back, then you do another speed workout, and then another lift, and then you eat lunch. And then you'll come back a little bit before dinner and do another workout, and then another speed lift. And then you eat dinner, and then you wake up, and you do it all over again. That Every sounds horrible. Single day. Dude, it's a grind, but you you enjoy it because it, it's such a, a deer in the headlights process because everybody's been through it. The people that are training you, they know what to expect. Um, and these are people that, like, that played in the NFL, and you look up to those people um, because they know so much, and it's just you're trying to soak all that information in on top of, you know, trying to prepare yourself um, for, like, the teams. Like, how could you imagine how stupid you would look if you walked into a NFL draft room with the head coach, the GM, and the owner, and you don't know the owner or the head coach's name? Yeah, it'd be bad. Or the GM, or the defensive coordinator. Um, you know, and so you having to study that stuff. Um, you know, and that was the first time when somebody actually told me about the dimensions of the football field how wide the football field was, how wide it was from hash to hash, or how wide it was from the hash to the sideline, or uh, how, you know, what was the distance between the numbers and the hash, like like all that stuff, all of a sudden it mattered when at no other time in my football career, you know, that it, it, it mattered to, to know that kind of stuff. And so it was just, it was a mental challenge more than it was physically, um, but it was just, it was time for me to, it was time for me to hang it up. And on top of that, um, you go to a franchise or, 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 you know, a program to where it's the most strenuous and strictest program in the National Football League. Um, there's no secret to why the Patriots win championships. I'm just going to be honest with you. Uh, I've seen it firsthand. They work. <laughs> I mean, it's, 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 it's that simple. I mean, you had a guy like Dante Hightower who was still on his first contract uh, when I was there, and he was showing up to work every day just like I was. You know, working. This is a guy who's won two freaking Super Bowls, and he's in here every day working. You it's know, it's kind of a deal like, like with Nick Saban. You've heard it before to where, like, Pete Carroll, he's all about having fun and making it fun for the players. Nick Saban's about the work. The fun is holding up a trophy. So Bill Belichick, Nick Saban, they come from the same tree to where, yeah, you can have fun somewhere else. Here, the fun will be when you win. That's right. You know, and it was like I called guys like, you know, Trey Elston or, uh, you know, guys like, like Mike Hilton and guys that Michael's already in the league. Um, but you had, I mean, guys like Trey. No, uh, no, Mike wasn't in the league. Uh, Mike, I'm sorry, Mike, 
Mike, Mike left when I left in 2015. Um, but you talk to guys like, you know, Trey and Mike and Channing, and then they're like, dude, I'm at home, like, on a Friday. Or I'm out, or I come back to Oxford for the weekend. And there wasn't none of that going on with, with Coach. We were there Monday through Saturday. Um, and sometimes had to be there on Sunday. Um, you know, and it was just, it was the grind of, of getting to know what you needed to know. Um, and just, it was, it was, it was a great, it was a great experience, um, because you get out and get to meet people like Brian Flores, who's now the head coach for the Miami Dolphins. Um, Matty P, who's the head coach, um, for the Detroit Lions and, you know, and I actually get to work with Coach Belichick, uh, on a day-to-day basis, um. Another guy uh, there that doesn't get uh, as much recognition as some of those guys was uh, was Stevie, uh, Stephen Belichick. Dude, he is so freaking smart. Uh, he's probably one of the smartest people I've ever been around. Um, and to work with him on a day-to-day basis, it was just, it was phenomenal, man. It was, I mean, you couldn't ask for more on a football basis as far as learning knowledge than being around those people on a day-to-day basis. And Flo was pretty smart as well. Um, the head coach for the Miami Dolphins. He actually, uh, me and then Landon Roberts, who uh, was the linebacker for Patriots? We were roommates and all that stuff. Uh, we were playing the linebacker position together, and I think it's like day six. Uh, we felt pretty good about you know what they gave us so far as far as the stuff in the playbook. And so we walk in the meeting room and uh, we're sitting there talking, and uh, like this, you know, it's been kind of kind of easy so far. Um, and, I, and I feel you know I feel pretty confident on what I know, and. Uh, Flo walks in. He goes, "You, you sure? Like you, you sure you you you're ready for this?" He's like, "Cause I don't think you're ready for this." And all the other guys, are, you know, starting to come in and they're sitting there looking like, "Man, y'all, like you don't want to do that." So he hands us three pages, and each page has like six different defensive calls on it. I probably got like four of them right. <laughs> wow. I probably got yeah, dude. It was just and and like it opened your eyes up so much. She's like. I know a lot, but I still have way, way, way much more to go. Because that was your um, thing, so, right? You you knew everything yeah. that the coaches would give you. You were the coach on the field. Absolutely. So when you got your injury, what made you valuable, yeah, you maybe lost a little bit of a step, but you were still productive, and you were smarter right. than everybody else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I always prided myself uh, on trying to be the smartest, the smartest guy out there. And, and for a change, there was, I mean, there was so much on my plate. To where I mean I was I was struggling to learn um, and learn at a proficient you know basis um, and and not just you know at a, I was I was learning at a pace that was slow but it wasn't fast enough um, and on top of that the speed of the game I mean th- those guys in the NFL and that system they make their own calls like sometimes they don't even tell you what to run they might give you a call a defensive a defensive call a coverage. But in that defensive front call, the front seven call, there's eight different blitzes you can check into, but you have to check into one. And the coaches will know based on the film on what you checked into. So it's like they don't even have to ask you in the meeting, like, hey, what did you check right here? They already know. Like they had a, like they they learned the system so well that they already know what you call. And you make them call one thing on the left and call another thing on the right. But it's always not the same. There's eight different things I could get into. Um, and Coach Saban even has some of this in his college stuff to where those guys to be able to check in and out of things that we didn't have the ability to do um, at Ole Miss and Coach Womack's system. It just it wasn't that complex. 
So Coach Walmack never let you know, y'all check out of anything? Y'all just ran the I mean, play that yeah, was called or whatever? No, but there were formation checks. I mean, there were certain things that we checked in and out of, but he didn't ever he didn't ever give me a defensive call, and I had to get everybody lined up on the field based off of what I felt. You know, like if I felt like they were going to do this, I could call this. If I felt like they were going to pass the ball, I could call this. You know, it's just the players have so much flexibility that you don't want to get – I'm pretty sure playing against Peyton Manning, you don't want to tip your hand every single play. Yeah. yeah. And so there might be times, you know, and so it's just, it be, that's when the real football chess match begins. In college, there was none of that. I mean, the, the coach's game plan, we went out there and uh, ran what they called it, and that was that. Um, and that, and it, was, it was so interesting to see that those guys, not only on a physical level, could play the game, but also play, play it mentally the way they do. It was, it was, it was just, it was so eye-opening, man. I, I, I couldn't believe it, it, to be honest with you. Well, no Ole Miss Rebels were drafted for the first time in seven years. It was just the eighth time since the 1930s. Did that surprise Are you? You serious? you serious? Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah, yeah. Ugh. Benito was yeah, left out. Left Josiah, Kadir. Now, a lot of these guys signed undrafted free agent deals. Benito with the Dolphins. Scotty Phillips with the Texans. Josiah with the Pittsburgh Steelers. On and on. Jalen Julius went to the Kansas City Chiefs, but none of them drafted. That looks bad, especially when 13 of the 14 SEC teams have at least one player drafted, and the one team left out is Ole Miss. Yeah, dude, that's – wow. That's a – that should tell you a lot about – um, what was what was really really going on uh, with the program from 2014 to 2018? Um, I mean, it's just I, I I don't know, man. That that that's crazy. Like that's mind blowing that nobody was drafted. Yeah, out of 100 out of 85 scholarship players, you had in one recruiting calendar, you had no one. That you signed. It just can't happen, no. though. It just cannot happen. I think Deuce McAllister yeah, like responded to me on Twitter with that. It just you can't have that happen ever. You can't be in the SEC and have a recruiting class where you don't have a draft. Yeah, that is that dude. It's gonna be hard. Good luck. Good luck. Win. Good luck winning like that. For those guys that really, did sign really undrafted free agent deals like you did, what would your advice be? Uh, I'm, the advice is is that. People are going to give you all this crap about, oh, you're undrafted free agent. You're no better than the first-round draft pick uh, that we drafted. You guys are all the same. But in theory, that's bullshit. Um, you're not – I hate to tell you, undrafted free agent guy, but if it winds up to you in the first-round pick, I'm pretty sure you're going to be the guy that gets cut. Um, because there's no GM in America that wants to tell their fan base that, hey, I screwed up in the first round and we have an undrafted guy that I signed as an undrafted free agent for pennies on a dollar and he's way better than two of our first first three-round draft picks. Um, and so that's the challenge, is that you're going to have to go in there on top of work your ass off, on top of learning everything that you need to learn. There's still that doubt that, well, if the starting left tackle and the starting right guard gets hurt, and then you have the starting defensive tackle and the starting defensive end hurt, the linebacker hurt, and the safety hurt, they're not going to keep you around. They have no – like, their hand is forced. Do I cut my guy that's hurt or do I give this guy a shot? Like, sometimes you could have the best camp out of everybody there and still get cut. There's no way around it, but you're going to get cut. Um, and so just tell those guys, man, that 
you know, some of you are not going to win and some of you are going to be put in tough situations, but you know, if you're healthy, you know, fight it out, go other places. Like, oh shit, the day I got cut, I had three teams call me, wanted me to come work out the next day. Um, and so, and that's, that's, that's part of the league and that's part of the process. And it's definitely not going to be as bad this year because of all the coronavirus stuff. So there's not as much meetings, there's not as much OTAs, there's not as much rookie, you know, there's not rookie camp um, and stuff like that. So that's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. Because um, I know the Patriots, the first three days of rookie camp, we had over 70-some guys that got cut. Oh, wow. Yeah, I mean, they're bringing in 20, upwards of 15 to 25 guys a day. What's it like when you a get day. cut? What do they say to you? Uh, well, um, they just bring you in. Um, it's going to be, you know, unexpected. They're going to bring you in. And um, I went down in there and I talked with uh, – they called me and they said, well, uh, Nick wants to see you. Uh, in, in in his office, um, Nick Casario, who's the GM, uh, so he gets to Nick's office um, and sit down. Bill sitting to my left, um, and I sit there. And Nick goes, "Well, we're gonna have to let you go." Uh, so we got a lot of guys that are injured. Uh, we think you're a good football player, um, but we don't want to put you out there um, and not give you a chance. If something happens, you get hurt. Uh, we not give you a chance, you know, in your rookie season. Uh, he said, we're going to have to let you go. Um, and Bill was like, well, you know, I just want you to know that we're not cutting you because you can't play. Uh, we're cutting you. We just, we just we don't have the numbers right now. We need guys that are healthy. Um, at that time, uh, Gronk was hurt. Uh, Nate Soldier, who was starting left tackle, was hurt. Uh, Deron Harmon was hurt. Devin McCarty Curdy was hurt. Deion Lewis was hurt. James White was hurt. Um and uh, at the corner, they let go to Tennessee. Logan Ryan was hurt uh, at the time. So I'm working out with these guys uh, on a day-to-day basis because, you know, we're the hurt guys. So I knew that I didn't, I didn't belong in that. <laughs> I didn't belong in, in that group. That's over $200 million. <laughs> I definitely don't. <laughs> I definitely don't belong. <laughs> so I was going to have to get in. Um, and so I was never there. I was there the whole time and never practiced. Never, like, suited up and had it you know, full practice. And so it was just, it was fun, man, to get the experience. But yeah, they cut you and they, they pretty much tell you, you know, why they cut you and and that's it. They put me on a, a coach. Uh, I went to Providence, Rhode Island. Uh, they put me on a plane. I flew coach back to Jackson, Mississippi. So you didn't go work out for any of those other three teams that called you? No, I called my, uh, I called Teddy. Uh, Teddy Dice, my head coach. Uh, once I got cut on my way to the airport and uh, just kind of, you know, explaining to him, I'm, I'm basically looking for some advice from somebody who knows me best, who doesn't have anything to gain uh, for me making this decision because, I mean, there was a lot of people, there was a lot of pressure from people in my family uh, for me to keep going uh, and to keep trying to, you know, do what I do. So I didn't really want to hear from any of them on what their opinion was because I kind of felt like it was, the, the mind was already made up. They were so close to millions of dollars, and so I didn't really want. I was tired of hearing the same old song, and so I called him, and I said, "Coach, you know, I, I, I honestly don't know what to do." Um, and he's like, "You know, well, he's like, I want you to to do what you feel comfortable doing." He's like, "But at the same time, you can't make a rash decision um, and jeopardize your health for you know short term wealth." And so that was what. That was one of the things he always said that really just stuck out to me. And he said, I know you said you always wanted to get into coaching, 
um, do you think you want to start right now? And I told him, I said, I didn't really know. Um, I hadn't even talked to my agent. I'm sure he knows that I've been cut. Um, but I just had a call and had that time with him to talk to him and kind of let him know, uh, you know, what was going on. And so I told him I'd call him back. And he said he'd make a few phone calls to give me some options to coach. And I said, okay, that's, you know, that's fair. Um, and so I called my agent uh, right before I got on the plane. Um, and I just told him, I'm like, dude, I, I don't know if I can continue to do this. And he's like, well, I'm going to support you no matter what. And he's like, I, I told you that from from day one, I was going to support you no matter what. Um, and so I just told him, I'm like, I'll give you a call back in a couple of days uh, to really figure out, you know, what I wanted to do. And um, I just prayed about it and talked about it and talked about it. And, you know, one of the things that I always said back then was that, you know, one day I'm going to have kids and I want to be able to run around the yard and play with my kids and that would be worth more than any amount of money. Um, and so now I have, you know, five and a half month old, he'll be six months. Um, next week he started to talk a little bit, crawl a little bit. Um, you know, and I can, those are some of the things that I was scared of missing out on. And now that, you know, I'm kind of in that situation, I can see why. I mean, I love my son to death. And uh, I can't wait until, you know, he's up walking and running and stuff like that because it's just going to be, you know, amazing that I can have that experience with him uh, because that's the experience that I had with my dad. Um, was that we did everything together. And so that's, you know, that's what I want to do with him. And so I'm just glad that God gave me the vision um, and the opportunities to, to be in this situation. And I'm very blessed. We'll get right back to former Ole Miss defensive end linebacker C.J. Johnson. But first, if you haven't already, subscribe, rate, review, talk of champions and iTunes. Also available in SoundCloud, Spotify. Just simply search Talk of Champions. And when you do go to iTunes, please leave a five-star review. doesn't matter what you say, as long as it's five stars. I write for the Ole Miss Spirit, omspirit.com, and affiliate of 247 Sports. Talk of Champions is brought to you in part by Mosquito Marshals. Are bugs ruining your evenings outside? Do you want to reclaim your yard from those pesky bugs? Well, Mosquito Marshals is here to help, to let their customers and their families enjoy living outside again. At Mosquito Marshals, their top priority is to keep their customers bite-free by providing the best mosquito control services in the industry. The goal is simple, to protect their customers' homes and businesses from mosquitoes, fleas, ticks, and they stand by their results. If you're not 100% satisfied, they'll respray your yard for free. But how do I know this? Because I have firsthand experience. Mosquito Marshals rode out to my house and sprayed my yard. Took them no time, and I haven't seen a mosquito since. And trust me, I'm just like you. In quarantine, all me and my daughters can do is go outside, ride a bike, play some ping pong in the garage. Don't let a mosquito mess up your good time. No, schedule your appointment today. You can give them a call at 662-715-1818. That's 662-715-1818. Or visit Mosquito Marshals online at mosquitomarshals.com. Mosquito Marshals, serving Oxford, Batesville, Water Valley, New Albany, Pontotoc, wherever you are, they'll come to you. Mosquito Marshals. I don't think people quite understand the pressure from the family that you get. I got family members really from Mississippi and you just draw a line straight to the, to the top of the state. I mean, the United States. Um, and so there was people calling me from Chicago that I've never even heard of before. Um, and I got a, a lot of family there. I have a lot of family in Flint, Michigan, Saginaw, Michigan. Uh, the people calling me from there that I've never even heard of um, before. And so, yeah, it, it's, it's definitely a lot of, it's a lot of pressure, but it's also, you know, a lot of, uh, 
it's, it's a lot of broken relationships uh, that come from that because um, I'll be the first one to tell you that once I was done playing football, that was about 60% of the people I had in my life that were trying to do stuff for me that were no longer around and willing to do so. And so you really see, you know, who was there for what reason. Um, and so that's the, that's the beauty of it all is that, unfortunately, you're going to see the people that, you know, you cared about and thought that cared about you um, is really only in it for one thing. And so it, it changes it changes people and it changes your perspective on people as well. Yeah, you can't be there for me when I'm about to make it. And then when I'm not, all of a sudden you disappear again. That's right. Yep. I think that's what makes Mike Hilton making it so impressive to me because Mike was an undrafted free agent for the Jaguars. But now, I don't know if you know this, he's the third highest earning Ole Miss Rebel in the NFL behind Laramie and Bobby Massey. Yeah, that's uh, that's impressive. He deserves it. Um, you know, he's a kid um, from Georgia, uh, was very, very overlooked. Um, and I had to – that's one of the kids I had to give uh, the, the Coach Free staff um, credit for because he was a guy um, nobody talked about, nobody knew about, um, and yet he made a name for himself. And now he's one of you know the highest paid, you know, earning guys in the league. And you look at guys like Evan as well was part of that class. Um, Evan Ingram, you know, guy not talked about much, um, guy not you know not get as much recognition as he should. And now he shit two years from now he'll be one of the highest paid tight ends in the history of the league. Yeah, if he can stay healthy. Um, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, you know, and and and, and rightfully so. And, and even if he doesn't stay healthy, um, barring he plays three games in three three consecutive seasons, he'll be set for life. That's part of the you know the retirement agreement that they have is that uh, once you play three games in three consecutive seasons, you're you're eligible for you know retirement. And so, I mean, he'll never have to work a day again in his life after he's forty five. Say whatever you want about the NFL, their retirement plan for players is significant it's it's a life-changing thing yeah for sure and and not on top of that um they also get severance pay as well um you contribute ten thousand and the club contributes ten thousand for each season that you play and so you'll get that 12 months after you're done playing um, tax-free and so that's another thing that they really have going is that you know a lot of big corporate companies don't have is that they don't have great severance packages like that um, so that's what's good for those guys. They're going to make, you know, a bunch of money in a, in a short, in a short time, uh, you know, and so to be able to have that reassurance that, you know, well, maybe 10, 15, 20 years from now, you know, all of this won't be for nothing. You know I mean? You talk about somebody getting 15 to 10 to $15,000 a month for the rest of their life. That's a, that's a substantial substantial amount of money, <laughs> on top of on top of the millions that you've already made in three or four years, uh, um, and so just I mean it's it's life changing money, uh, and 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 on top of that you got to think about you know what those guys are getting paid to make appearances at malls, uh, and car shows and strip clubs and you know you know car dealerships. Uh, I mean you talk about. Someone give you fifteen, twenty grand just to be there for a couple hours. Hey, well, now I mean, college players might get to do that now. Do you see this ruling by the NCAA? Yeah, yeah, dude. I was on football scoop the other day. That's going to be. Here's my problem with this. Here's where here's where I'm, I'm struggling. Right. I'm struggling to to find my way with this. Is that a kid whose likeness 
at Southeastern Oklahoma State University. It's not going to be the same as the kid at the University of Texas. Yeah. I mean, his likeness is just it's not going to be as significant. Especially um, if he and, can't and, tie and, it to his school in his local area. Right. You can't do that. You can't right. say, I'm C.J. Johnson of Ole Miss. You need to buy a card, Alan Samuels, Chrysler Dodge, Jeep Ram of Oxford. That's right. And so so here's what's going to happen with recruiting going forward is that now these kids, all you're going to need <laughs> really, honestly, is find out who's the, which state and which colleges locals have the most money. Because if I'm getting recruited by the University of Alabama, or I'm getting recruited by Southern Miss, like people are going to buy more jerseys in Tuscaloosa than they are at Hattiesburg. And I boosters mean, are going to be able to like funnel money to you through those right, avenues better than yeah. Like let's be honest. I mean that guy that runs that that Dodge dealership over there in Tuscaloosa, he gets away with a lot. But <laughs> could you imagine what he'd get away with when this happens? <laughs> I mean, you talk about someone who who could be literally, if I'm, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think this is a proper term for this, but embezzling <laughs> hundreds of thousands of dollars to these kids. Well, it's not outside of um, U.S. jurisdiction. So if I wanted to give C.J. Johnson, regular person, $1,000, there's nothing stopping me from doing that. But because of the NCAA being its own independent body, if I gave player C.J. Johnson $1,000, now I'm in trouble. So it's not necessarily embezzling under the rule of law so much as it goes against NCAA rules by, at this point, I think it's pretty obvious, um, are arcane and dumb. Yeah, the, the NCAA is about to be in some hot shit, boys. I don't understand one thing with it. Why would you do it this way and do the half-measure crap that the NCAA always does outside of just allowing the players to earn money off their likeness? Instead of making money hand over fist, you being the NCAA, allowing these kids to profit off of likeness but also come into a multi-year agreement with EA Sports to buy what would be in arguably the most popular game in the country, NCAA football. You have to do Absolutely. it this way to protect what? What are you protecting? And I love A.J. Brown to death. By far one of my favorite players to ever play at Ole Miss. But A.J. Brown, I thought, had the wrong take on this, saying, oh, you can earn the money in the league. Well, not everybody can earn money in the league. Cody Pruitt exactly. didn't make it to the league. Cody Pruitt was the big man on campus at Ole Miss. He was a two-time All-American. He was the captain of that yeah, defense. Yeah. And Cody would have made bank at Ole Miss if he'd made able to profit yeah. off his likeness. But he has to be able and to he, say and, Ole Miss, too. And you know what's backwards about that is that, you know, I think about – you know, him saying that, well, think about the guy that's freaking Chucky Mullins. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That season, he's going to make a shit ton of money, you know? And so you can't, you can't just say you'll make the money when you get to the NFL. And you can't just say that Ole Miss people buy the number 38 jersey for Chucky Mullins because that's false. It's false. That's false. There's, there's all that entire fan base is going to buy that 38 jersey based off who's wearing it. Kendrell wore it, Marquise Haynes wore it, Mike Hilton wore it. You know, Austin Robinson wore it. Mm -hmm. You know, and so it's, it's, it just it gets to the point to where it would be such a negative energy because I was a guy that was nominated for that thing three times. And I'm pretty sure if that guy made more money than other student athlete C.J. Johnson, then I'm going to be bashing my teammates and fighting my ass off to try to get that jersey. That's really when in theory, I may not deserve it, Yeah, but that's the guy who's going to sell more jerseys, so why not? That's going to be my money. Oh, or if you sell you know, 10, the number 10, Eli Wart, Chad Kelly Wart, John Rice is wearing it. 
Jordan Tiamu yeah, wore I mean, it. You wore it. I mean, it just it 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 it, it there's there's no way that they could that they can put a handle on this. It's gonna be like a wild wild west, man. And then you talk about this crap about one time transfer. Um, I mean, it's just it, it's it's gonna go to the point where college football is not going to be desirable. Brett McMurphy came out today and said that the NCAA suggested that they not go forward with the one-year transfer. I disagree with it because I believe that all players should be able to do what they want because coaches get to do whatever they want. The problem is when you try to do half Here's why I disagree with that. Why is that? Here's why I disagree disagree with that. It's because when you talk about the coaching coaching side of it, it's that those guys – are kind of in the same situation. When they're coaching at a place and get a job offer from another university, now this conversation is not for the guys who make who make lateral moves, uh, because I think something's got to be said for those guys as well. Um, but you you would be absolutely wrong to say that Hugh Freeze shouldn't leave Arkansas State University to be the head football coach or Miss. Like like that would be absolutely outrageous. I agree with that, but players are penalized for doing so. Coaches get to do it free reign, and they're making millions upon millions of dollars, while players are basically scrapping money together to eat. True, but the reason players are doing that is because they signed a piece of paper called a national letter of intent. Yeah, you shouldn't do it. Um, And so coaches, they don't. They sign a two-year or one-year financial deal with the institution. Um, And so... I think the deal as far as coaches and players leaving this this whole transfer thing, I don't think that like I, that has no merit to me because if I'm a student athlete and I say I'm going to play here, I'm going to play here. And if I all of a sudden choose to leave, barring whatever circumstance, I should be penalized for that. Nobody else said that I had to play at this university for the next three or four years when I made my decision. I said that. I signed the, the letter of intent to say that that was my commitment to the university. If that was the case, then why don't you just let everybody sign grant and aid agreements and just do away with scholarships? Then you don't have to worry about it if a kid transfer. Because he I never think signed a I think Roquan Smith did that, didn't he? I'm not, I'm not sure. But why not just sign a grant and aid and be done with it? But then the problem is once you sign up the grant and aid to get them on campus, they still have to sign a national letter of intent to count on the 85-man roster. So it, it, it's like... It, there's no solution to this, which it's almost like the criminal justice system in America. There's no way we can stop wrongful convictions unless we take all the power away from the district attorney. Well, then if we do that, then this so-called integrity of the system is ruined. And so everyone, they're scared of that, you know, and it's like they're scared to, to change their system when it's been flawed for so long, have they consistently been able to update and keep up with the changes that's been happening since the NCAA has been around? They probably would be able to survive this, but they're not going to be able to survive it because they've, they've neglected to do so much for so long that it's just, it's an impossible solution. You're trying to make, you're trying to make up too much. You're trying to make up 35 years ground in six months. It's impossible. Now, that I agree with completely. I don't think there's any clean solution anymore. No. The only thing you can do 
is penalize coaches more for bolting like a male Tucker from Colorado to Michigan State, whatever penalty that might be. I'm not saying they have to sit out a year, but maybe right. they have to sit out three games. But you need to lessen the penalty from players transferring. Maybe they have to sit out their first six games um, the next year. I don't know. But one thing that they should be able to do is profit completely off of their likeness. Now, some players will not make money like other players, but that's capitalism. And you can't go and right. say, okay, I believe in capitalism 100% and then say, oh, but what about the players in the um, the Title IX sports that won't make that type of money? Well, nothing turns capitalists into socialists like paying college players. Yeah, I don't know, man. It, it's just there's so many there's so many problems. Yeah, um, and, it's, and it's hard to come up with a solution. Like I love, I love the new thing that they're doing now with the red shirt. Um, you know, being able to play, I think it was three or four games, four games. But without playing. Yeah, without playing more than four games, uh, I think that's great. But I also think that to fix the transfer problem, they have to fix the loophole within the transfer system. And they created yeah, more loopholes with paying players by not allowing them to first include their school, but also for Booster to say, okay, come on in over here. I'll put you in a commercial or whatever, but I'm going to buy right. a thousand jerseys of yours. Yeah, no doubt. It's just, it's, it's crazy, man. They, they, they don't, until they fix, until they fix the transfer system, like I shouldn't be able to say as a student athlete um, that, my coaches didn't give me everything that was promised to me as far as my playing time. I want to leave, you know, or like, um, I don't think, I don't think this, this coach, well, God, what was that? The kid said uh, a couple years ago, I was at a place and uh, a kid basically went to the athletic director and said that the head coach, he didn't think that the head coach was sincere about something. something. Basically he went and said something about the head coach that was inaccurate, and they had a panel, and the kid always got granted the opportunity to leave the school based off something that was completely that was completely off the wall, but that would have granted him the ability to leave the school and would have got him out of the scholarship. Well, Tobias tried you know, to do that, it, you know. Like I don't that that's that's crazy to me. I don't, just because. You suck, and it's not what you expected it well, to be. Well, Tobias goes to Hugh Freeze, and this is after Houston Nutt has signed him, and says, I was promised this. And Hugh Freeze said, I didn't promise you anything. And then Tobias goes to Jackson you know State I and the rest I of history. That. Yeah. Tobias was I your guy. Y'all signed together. Yeah, but no, I'm talking about the I was promised thing. Oh, yeah. I think I remember that. Yeah. I think I remember the day that, that all that went down. Yeah, I do, because it was, it was spring practice. It was one day during spring practice. I mean, come on, Tobias. He come came on, out, man. <laughs> he, he came out, but he came out there, and like he wouldn't say anything to nobody. <laughs> like he wouldn't utter a word to to anybody. It just he had that look, like, like man, I really don't want to be here. And then the next day, nobody seen him again. Just gone, like literally, just gone, just vanished. Like he, like he, like he just vanished from the earth. Just like just gone. Have you heard from Tobias since? Actually, I have. I talked to uh, I talked to him maybe a couple years back, um, just to see how he's doing uh, and all that good stuff. I also talked to Snoop uh, too, not too long ago, man. Yeah, how's Snoop um, doing? He's doing good, man. Just Snoop's being Snoop, uh, and that's it. That's pretty much all you can say about that. But he's doing good. Um, 
raising them kids. He's gonna have he's gonna have a couple of kids. I think gonna be pretty pretty daggone good. Um, gonna play at Tapanola, but uh, shit, that probably fifteen years from now. But <laughs> but but uh, he's got some kids that are pretty athletic, man. They're gonna be gonna be some good ball players for sure. All right, pick one, the biggest what if player to ever come through Ole Miss, or not ever, but in the modern era, maybe in the last decade, Nick Brazel, Tig Barksdale. Oh, that's tough. I would go Tig. Yeah, me too. I think I think Tig was better. Tig should Nick have been running special. back at Ole Miss, not a safety. Nick was special, but Tig was phenomenal. I've never I've never seen anything like that. What was so good about like, him? It was everything. Like there was nothing like when you watched him play. It was like he's big enough to run through your linebackers and run through your defensive backs. He's fast enough to outrun your linebackers and your defensive line. And so it was like a catch-22 that dude, man. Um, and, God, who they had a punt quarterback? They had a good damn quarterback, too. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, was Piggy's his quarterback? Maybe. I can't remember. I, I think Derek was his quarterback. Think about all the players that came out over that course of, uh, I don't know, five, six years. Tig, Nick, uh, Isaac Gross. Char, uh, Chris mm-hmm. Strong, not Charlie Strong. Chris Strong, yeah, and then uh, Tony Connor, who was better than every one of them. Mm-hmm. And only one yeah, of them panned out. And Tony got hurt because of Derrick Henry going low in the Alabama game. No, Tony got hurt because of Hugh Freeze. Let's make that clear. Oh, they oh, wanted oh. him back on the freaking football field. There's no secret. You're talking about a kid that got an interception in the first play of his college career. Like the first time he stepped on the field, he took an interception. He didn't catch it. He took the ball. Literally. Yeah. And I'm like, who is this kid? <laughs> and he, <laughs> all he did was be our best DB for like the next two seasons. <laughs> he was unreal. He, he was, was on really an all-time good, great trajectory for Ole Miss Lord. Oh, he was he, good. He, yeah. he, he would have been a first. He would have been a first draft pick. Oh, 100 percent. That's the like he greatest reminds, travesty he of all. He reminds me a lot of Sean Taylor. Yeah, absolutely. Sean, I said he. I Sean said he was Ed Reed. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Sean Taylor, Avery, you, Troy Palomaro, you, you name it. The, 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 dude was, the dude was unreal. We'll get right back to former Ole Miss defensive end linebacker C.J. Johnson in this edition of Talk of Champions after I tell you briefly about Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford and Cheney's Pharmacy. As we all deal with the fallout from the coronavirus pandemic, one thing we're all trying to do, make sure our dollar goes further than it ever has before. Well, good thing for you, if you're in the market for a new car, truck, or Jeep, Alan Samuels, they were already looking out for you financially to meet each and every one of your needs, whatever those needs may be. They'll work with you to ensure you get the car you want at a price point you can afford. All you've got to do is go visit Brian, Mason, and the crew and let them take care of you through the easiest, most seamless car buying process around. How can they best serve you? To take advantage of any one or more of the services Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford provides, be sure to contact them today at 662-638-0044. Or stop by and see them in person at 2201 East University Avenue. That's just past Kroger. Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford. Let's be friends. As communities across the world deal with the coronavirus pandemic, it has never been more important to have a pharmacy you can trust. And the only pharmacy for you in Oxford is Cheney's Pharmacy. Not only is Cheney's Pharmacy filled with supporters of Ole Miss Athletics, but more than that, Cheney's, a fixture in this Oxford community, offers you anything and everything you'll need in your pharmacy. 
from prescription synchronization, immunizations, compounding to two-lane drive-through, and available hours that ensure your needs are met on your own time. Cheney's also accepts all third-party insurance. It's a locally owned pharmacy, and that's important. Locally owned that has been in Oxford over 40 years, and they provide the best customer service out there. So give them a call, 662-234-7221. Or you can visit them at 501 Bramlett Boulevard. That's right off of University Avenue. They're open 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. Monday through Saturday and 1 p.m. to 9 p.m. on Sundays. You can find them online at chaneyspharmacy.com. Right now, each and every one of us have our own set of problems. Don't let your pharmacy be one of them. Chaney's Pharmacy, much more than just a pharmacy. In 2016, Ole Miss set a school record with three first-round draft picks, Laramie, Laquan, and Robert. Tony And it should have been fourth. another one. Yeah, Tony should have been yeah, the fourth. Yeah, for sure. The second time when he got hurt, he had to have a whole, almost a total knee replacement. Like, you can't convince me that that kid was healthy enough to go back out there. No. No way. 2015, he should have never been on the field, period. Period. Well, you should have left after 2014. Yeah, no doubt. Absolutely. 100%. I, I blame Hugh Freeze for that, too. And you know what I think about, think back on all of that. And you know you know one of the big things that really influenced me to stay? What was that? The the two other people that was in the room, Chris Kiffin and Bonnie Fair. Yeah. Those were the two people that I cared about the most. And he knew I didn't have a great affection for him. Um, publicly, I probably did. Uh, oh, publicly just, you, you know, did, right buddy. <laughs> publicly yeah, you, you did. Know, that, that, that was just the right thing to do. But, but I mean, deep down inside, there was there was a little sour taste in his mouth about who I was and how I treated him and vice versa. You know, I, I kind of felt, you know, the feeling was mutual for him. And, and not only that, I was speaking for a lot of people who were scared to speak to him, um, you know, on some of the stuff you know, that was going on. Like, I particularly remember this was when he tore his ass with me and I was I was really, really pissed because he called Trey Elston and uh, Justin Bell and asked them to have a players-only meeting. And I feel like that wasn't right. Like, why would you call two players and tell two players to have a players-only meeting? And so we get up there um, and everybody goes in there and Justin, Trey, Mike, and uh, I think those were the three guys, Justin Bell, Mike Hilton, and Trey Elson were in front of the room talking to everybody. Uh, and then the first word that comes out of Trey's mouth, he's like, well, look, man, uh, I'll go ahead and tell y'all while we're here. And it was like, you know, like, imagine being in a room full of a lot of people and it gets quiet and somebody talks and then they're like, all oh, the rah-rah, like, like, what the hell's going on? Like, why am I in here? Uh, and so Laquan shows up to the meeting late which typical Laquan, some player initiative, he's, you know, typically toward the back or not, you know, all the way at the front. He's like, he's like got one foot in and one foot out. Like he don't know if he's all the way in or if he's all the way out. Um, and so he comes to the meeting and these guys are up here talking and he just like takes over everything and comes and says like the absolute most ridiculous thing that any of us had ever heard. And we knew he was lying. What'd he say? I'm not going to get into details about what he said because a lot of the stuff he said was personal. Oh. But there were some things that he had done. And he basically wanted to get his opinion out there versus the actual opinion of what happened or what everybody else's opinion was going to be of what would happen. 
Um, and so he got up there, and, and I'll never forget Christian Russell. <laughs> he was sitting right next to me. He said, "Man, that's some bullshit." He like that, like just like. <laughs> Just like ver- like verbatim, just like 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 soon as the car is like, dude, that's a bullshit. And I was just sitting there like, oh my god, like. And so then they start getting into a pissing contest, and then Aaron Moore, I mean not Aaron Moore, Justin Bell, told the car to shut up pretty much and go, you know, sit down. And he's like, well, man, I ain't gonna deal with this. Like, so he was getting ready to, you know, to walk out. So that pretty much gave me the okay, okay, like okay, dude, this, like this is pointless. This meeting is like it's not going out very well. So like, I, all right, I'm going to head out. You know, like people say, all right, I'm going to head out. Uh, so I walk toward the door, and I get outside the door. There's Brennan Chapman, Brandon Wenzel, Davis Merritt, Ben Agamoa, and there's like four more other people. Like, they, they, are, they are literally so close to the team meeting room doors on freezer side of the, the meeting room that I almost bumped into like four of them when I was coming out of the door. Oh, my God. Like, whoa. Whoa. I go, this is supposed to be like a players only thing, boys. Like, uh, <laughs> did you miss out on that? <laughs> you know, they all sitting outside the room listening to, you know, what everybody was saying. And it was pretty much a team wide deal. It wasn't something that it could have been handled within the team, but the way Freeze tried to do it, it just, it, it made it all blow up into like, you know, this big ordeal. And that's which, and after that meeting, that spring, that's what actually led us to start boxing in the locker room. Um, and so we're boxing in the locker room and we're getting ready to play Boise State on, I think we played them on like a Thursday night in, uh, in Atlanta, mm-hmm. like a Thursday or Friday night or whatever. Yeah, and so Thursday. we were on that Friday, we had a, a following, the following the week before we had a walkthrough, um, and, um, we're getting ready to go out there on a Friday. And so Rod Taylor and I think it was one of the more twins, or it might've been Ray Ray Smith. I can't remember who it was. Anyway, it was a freshman. And Rod, he's left-handed. Uh, we're on, like we're on the bathroom side of the locker room, like the most open area of the locker room. And these two do the boxing. And Rod throws a punch at the guy, and the guy slips him. And Rod hits like punches the locker with his left hand. Oh. And like as soon as he hit the locker, like his left shoulder just kind of like you know dropped. And so you know everybody stopped, like broke up the fight or whatever. Well, come to find out, our starting right tackle. Yep had threw his shoulder out of place like five days before we played Boise State. Yep, I remember that. I remember reporting he, on that. Oh, he let me have it. Like, why why did he let you I have heard. it? Because supposedly I'm one of the the guys that's the team leader in the locker room and I'm letting this happen. Um, and so, I mean, he, like, he, he lit. Like, he absolutely lit. That was the first time I heard him cuss. Like, he lit. Like, he, he lit into me. Like, he's pretty upset. I'm not gonna say what he said, but he was he was pretty upset. He didn't use multiple cuss words, but when he started with his opening statement and he said, What the I was like, Yep. I was like, Oh, thank you. I think we messed up on this one, boy. <laughs> and like like I came out of it, I was telling Mike Hilton, I was like, Yo, hey bro, I've never heard this man cuss, bro. He's there cussing me out, bro. Like that wasn't really what happened, but I was just like, yo, like <laughs> he said a curse word, bro. Like, yo, he's pretty upset. <clears throat> and so that was I just did it. I was like, man, I don't know <clears throat> how much more of this guy I can take. Cause this was keep in mind, this was two thousand fifteen now. This is after I come back, you know, after, you know, I had should have left and went to the NFL, Derek Burgess, never forget, you know, like you know how he talks. You you've been around D B, right? Yeah, yeah. 
you know, the slow, the, you know, the deep, the, Hey man, like man, <laughs> you need to go on, get out of here, man. He like, I'm telling you, man, like don't let them move you the linebacker, man. Like don't do it. I'm like, so you know, you know, I'm like DB. I'm trying to get you know, get to you. like, man, I'm telling you, man, you better go on, take your ass off to the league, man. And so I'm like, man, we got a chance to be good. We got Chad Killer. You know, we got the offense. We got the defense. Like, like we got a chance to do it. Um, and so had it not been for Coach Kiffin and, and Coach Farrell, I would have never done it. Period. Simple. End of discussion. Um, he thought that it was something he said, but it wasn't. It was all it was all Coach Kiff. And the reason it was Kiff because you got to understand, I come from a guy, Terry Price, right? Chris Kiffin. Now, you cover both of those guys. Yep. And there's a tremendous difference in, in one, how they coach and to the background that they come from. Um, TP was more of a, you know, a laid back guy. Um, wasn't really into all the techniques. Um, and then Kiff came in and it was just like the first time I really learned how to play defensive line. Like really somebody really taught me the position and him coming from an NFL background, you know, with Monty Kiffin, um, it really like he he had such an effect on me, man, that it was just like it was like like I love that dude. Like, like, like right now I haven't played football. I'm out of shape, I'm about 180 pounds. But like I put on some shoulder pads right now. If he called me, and was like, hey, I need you to go, because like, like that's just how much like I believed in him and his message. Like, yeah, Freeze, Freeze did a lot, but the reason Freeze was so successful because he had those guys like Chris Kiffin that reassured us as players. Like I remember one of the first meetings we had with Coach Kiffin. He pulled up there. He's like, y'all, they said we're going to be the 14th defensive line in the SEC. You know, he's like, I can promise you that ain't going to happen. Uh, and it was just like something about how he said it and and, and, and the way he said it, it just gave you the confidence. Like, like we're going to do it. You know, and then getting the spring practice and starting to see our offense, you know, some days they was really just getting after us on defense. You know, he's like, well, I'm telling y'all, like, we can hold people less than 21 points. We're going to win a lot of games here. And I started to believe him. You know, and then, you know, you hear Coach Womack say the same thing. Like, we're going to hold people on 21 points, y'all. We're going to beat them. We might not even have to hold them to 21 points and be going to beat them. You know, and then you start you start to see that with our offense, they score points, score points, score points, and then you start to stop people. And then it's like, oh, crap. And so then we wind up down there in Bama, game three, 2012. We go in there, like, we smacking them boys. Like, they, like, they beat us, I think it was 31-0, but the game was way closer didn't score. Like, we were out there. Like, that's the, the Cody Pruitt and Denzel, like, the first three you played of the game, forced mm-hmm. the three and out, like, in the great jerseys. Like, like, people watching that game, like, they're like, okay, like, okay. Like, okay, you know, like, like okay, I see you, Ole Miss. You know, and I, and I always use that game as the first game to where that was the game where we showed people, like, look, watch out. Like, like something's about these dudes that are different. It was really all freshmen and sophomores out there. Um, Oh, and that was it. That was it. That was us. You know, we had, you know, the Hendrick Collins out there, Wesley Pendleton, Charles Sawyer, like those guys were juniors, but the core of the defense was all freshmen and sophomores. Me, Cody, Denzel, uh, Woody. You know, like like it was a lot of guys out there, like freshmen, like we was like, okay, like we can do this. And then it was just that was that was the start of it, on, on especially for us, was cause Freeze never had anything to do with defense. Like at all, like like we ain't seeing him, like period. Like we don't see him till five minutes before the game. 
all at practice, you know, like because he's over with you know the offense. And so the defensive staff made that made that, made our program what it was, because um, you had Coach Womack, who was an older guy, but he was pretty energetic to be um, the age that he was. And then you had a freaking wild Tom Allen and a young Chris Kiffin. I mean, that's that's the perfect recipe to have you know, the great DNA of a good football program. I mean, both of those guys are doing quite well for themselves, um, especially T.A. Um, I love that dude. And it, and it was like those were the guys that, you know, that Freeze had played a part, but there were much more people who had a much more impact on us and the program than him. And so I feel like those are the guys a lot of times that are left out. Um, the Chris Kiffins, the Tom Allens, the Jason Jones, the Brennan Chapmans. You know, like those guys, like the Barney Ferris, uh, like like those were the people that that made it work. You know, like like they made it work. The McGriffs, like you can't find a dude to play that old mess of that one, those one or two years of Coach McGriff that don't love him. Honestly, like all of us and the whole fraternity of us, when he came back and it didn't work, we already knew what it was. We didn't have to question nothing. Because we all knew McGriff. Ask Breland Speaks. He'll tell you. He'll run through a wall for Western McGriff. Because, and it was, and, I, and if you honestly ask me, I think Freeze had more input on the defensive, the defensive game plan than he normally had in the past. That's why I think they wasn't as successful. I don't know if he's a defensive coordinator though. I don't. I, I don't know if he's a defensive coordinator either. But I guarantee you, those weren't Western McGriff led defenses. Well, There's no way somebody knows Tim. Yeah, for one year, but Freeze was the one who hired him. Yeah, you're right. And that's who got started. Well, Freeze got fired the first year yeah. uh, that he started there. But, you know, it was just, I don't know, man. I, I don't think those kids fully bought in. And part either. of the reason was all the drama that went on over the summer. I don't yeah. think they ever really just bought it's in. It's hard to buy in when that happens. That was a completely, it is. yeah, completely when you're freaking, yeah. yeah. When your coach is freaking calling back page, that's, that's, I mean, dude, it's, 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 that's tough. That's tough for anybody, and especially those kids. It was tough because here it is, is a guy that the older guys before me has been telling me that this guy is like the real deal. And like, he knows what he's talking about. And then all of a sudden, like he's been banging prostitutes. Like, <laughs> I don't know. That's weird, bro. Like, that's really weird. Like, I, I, I couldn't imagine getting up and going to some of those freaking, uh, what's the TV show that they do every Tuesday or whatever? This season? Uh, yeah. Like, I would hate doing that, bro, after something like that happened. Yeah, or walking in the damn, you know, fall camp, and I got to walk in a room with you guys, and all those guys are in there, and they're going to ask you, like, you don't want to, like, you don't want to do that because you're thinking about your draft stock. You think about, you know, this or that, you don't want to say the wrong thing. You don't want to piss off the wrong person, you know? And so it's just, it, it's tough to, to, to navigate in that. And think about Matt Luke, bro, to be able to function during that, you know, like he had to have some, like he had to have some of the greatest courage in a human being that's possible to be able to take what he had and to turn it into what he did. It's remarkable. I love that guy. I didn't have such a great affinity for Matt Luke uh, while I played there, but now, like, I really love the guy. Like, he's a great dude. He called me a soft ass muffled up one day during practice. Oh, and that's what, uh, yeah, that's what kind of made me not really like him too much. But as I got to know him uh, after I was done playing, and 
played my end years before him. I really respected the guy. Uh, he earned my respect. Um, but it was hard to get my respect after that. And then he had the offensive lineman cut us one day during pass rush drills because we were bull rushing him. Um, and that was like around the same time that he called me a sophomore. So, I was at. so it was just like, okay, dude, like that's what you think of me? Like, okay, whatever. Um, and I think he apologized to me the same day he did it, but it was more of he was so competitive as a coach that he didn't like when the defensive linemen were talking about the offensive line. Like we'd be in goal line drills and they run the ball three straight plays, get the fourth down, drop back and throw the ball up to the corner. Like as a defensive guy, that's not fun. Like, cause they're going to celebrate. We didn't have anybody stop that guy. Yeah, we put Sinclair's over there, but how much difference is Sinclair's going to make in four yards? He's only got to run a four yard route, bro. I mean, it's just lock on to you, just come off the ball, drive you, jump up in there and catch the ball. And we hated that. Like, we absolutely hated it. And so we always talked this to the coaches and players and everybody because, like, y'all ain't this without corn. Coach Luke felt some type of way about that. Like, he didn't like that. And so that's, like, that's why I started to respect the guy. Well, good luck this weekend in the fishing competition. Yeah, man, I'm going to need it. There's going to be a lot of, there's going to be a lot of good people out there that can fish for sure. It's good to catch up with you. It's good to hear from you. You know I'm going to have you back on. I mean, people love hearing from CJ. Well, I don't know about that, but i definitely love to come back on. I'm actually supposed to be doing something here pretty soon with someone else, so we'll see how that goes. But I think it's something, like he said, he wanted to be like rewatch some games, like on yes. Skype or something. Yes. I, I don't know. Like, I don't yes. know. It's whatever. But, oh, uh, yeah, man, I'm doing good. Life's good. I'm enjoying my little one. And, yeah. Well, be good, my friend, and we'll talk again. All right, bro. See you. Ah, spring. Nothing like the world progressing towards summer to inspire your own progress. That's what life's all about. In your career, relationships, and your finances. Let's talk about that last one. With the Chime Secured Credit Builder Visa Credit Card, it's easy to start building credit with everyday purchases and regular on-time payments with no annual fees or interest. And if your credit score grows, so could your opportunities for lower rates on loans, like for a car or home. Sounds like progress, right? With Chime Secure Credit Card, you can start improving your credit scores right away. Get started today at Chime.com build. That's Chime.com build. Chime. Feels like progress. The Chime Credit Bill Visa Credit Card is issued by Bancorp Bank NA or Stride Bank NA. Members of FDIC, out-of-network ATM withdrawal and OTC advance fees may apply. Terms and conditions apply. Go to Chime.com slash disclosures for details. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.